0: Hey, my name is Alex and you are listening to Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we start talking about start talking about the subject of today's show, I want to say I'm back. I'll be recording episodes every week. You won't be getting like the canned ones that I put out for the past three weeks. Since I was in a combination of London, and England, and all over the Italian island of Sicily, um, but I'm back. And as part of me being back and having just been to Italy, I'm going to talk about an anime that re- heavily relates to that. That is really good and also really old. <laughs> um, so this week we're going to talk for we're going to talk about Lupin the Third. Um, specifically, we're gonna probably focus on part four, but I'm probably gonna talk about the whole thing. So, for those of you who maybe look at Lupin III and you see everything from a series that came out in 2015 to a series that came out in, like, I think... Straight up 1970, I don't think the, actually maybe even the early, the mid to late 60s, I think was the earliest thing. And you're like, oh my god, that's a lot of stuff. That's a Gundam-esque amount of stuff. What the hell am I supposed to do with this? I don't, like, I don't know what to do. Um, generally what you do, what, the way I approach Lupin is, you have, like, it's all divided up into parts. It's part one, two, three, all the way up to four. Um, but, and part five was recently announced, and I think might premiere in April, but don't quote me on that. Um, but generally what you can do is you can just watch either a part at a time, or you can pick a specific part to watch. Now, there is also um, The Woman Called Fujiko Mine, which is its own thing, and it is... It's kind of the start of the way that quote-unquote modern Lupin looks mean, when I say modern, I actually mean contemporary, because I'm an idiot, um, but basically, it means, like, the, those are the character designs and the world design going forward, um, before that, the character designs looked much more similar to, like, and they still they still clear are like clearly very similar to the original character design they don't change them that much they mostly they give them more modern lines punchier colors more the, the more intensity to the kind of new Lupin school of characters than there was to the previous school like school of character design um But Fujiko Mine is a Lupin the Third story that does not center on Lupin. It centers on the kind of main female protagonist of the Lupin universe, Fujiko Mine. It tries to explain why she is the way she is. And how she got from, like, a normal little girl to this kind of sex-wielding cat-burglar extraordinaire. Um, But before we get to kind of the story that's, like, the loose story if you don't already know it from knowing anything about, like, the historical Lupin III, which is also a thing. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Lupin III origins, which is interesting. Now, Lupin was, and still is, from what I understand, the kind of one-hit wonder of a creator who goes by the name of Monkey Punch. And Monkey Punch, he created Lupin in the, I believe, in the early 60s. And he... He wrote Lupin originally to be this, like, badass, evil motherfucker. (laughs) Like, um... If if you've seen any Lupin, you know that there's a very specific kind of gun he uses. You know he drives a very specific car... And the reason why he drives a German car and uses a very specific old style of German hand pistol hand like handgun is because they are straight up references to Nazis. They're they're they are supposed to be kind of visual cues. That this guy's an asshole. But the way that the character's written, he's just kind of, like, he is this like, over-the-top, kind of funny, charismatic, quote-unquote gentleman thief. I mean, he's perverted, he's, um, kind of go with the flow and all this stuff, so he's, like, he's given this, like, these trappings of, like, like I drive a Nazi car and I use a Nazi gun, but then he, it's easy for you to ignore all those, like, him being a dickbag, like, him, all those things, past part one, because in part one, he's not a good dude, <laughs> he's just, like, not a good guy in part one. Part two that changes, and, like, he is, like, the character as a person is much less evil. And most people, in America at least, haven't seen part one since, I think, until the mid-2000s. It wasn't even available in America. For for the reasons of, like, the... We, we started with part two and three and there are some really iconic things about those sections of lupon that don't exist in part one most likely the theme song if you've ever heard if you've ever heard a loop a lupon the third theme song you have heard the theme song I'm talking about. I believe it's the theme song to part two. It might be the theme song to part three. I'm not entirely sure. But it is a very specific thing, and it just goes like, loop on, loop on, loop on, loop on, over and over again. It's it's very much from the age of we got this jap tune, and we need to make it American. How do we do that? <laughs> because the the thing about shows like Lupin the Third, Gundam, um, Pokemon is included in one of these. One Piece, famously, is they went they existed from. An era of when anime was first being licensed and the powers that be were convinced that the, fa- that the fans of these shows wouldn't be able to understand the, like, Japanese-ness of it. And more than that, they were trying to hit, at that point, in, like, the... Definitely the early eight, definitely the mid eighties, but certainly, certainly the early nineties, and almost kind of up to like two thousand, two thousand one. They were trying to hit a much wider audience of like, not just weird beardos on the internet who talk about cartoons, but um, <laughs> like kids who come home from school and like they just they they want to watch to robots fight um so they were trying to kind of americanize things constantly so the the interesting thing is that lupon was kind of perfect for this because he is supposed to be technically japanese but i think a very, very, it is very, very rare that, uh, that a show, that one of the episodes, often which often the episodes are not connected. So if you're worried about, like, nit- losing a narrative, there really isn't one throughout the Lupin universe. It's just like, oh, we watched them steal this thing. We watched them attempt to steal this thing. They steal this wine, it's bad. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but none of them take place in Japan. They all take place in... Some of them take place in America. There are episodes and movies where he... Um, where he goes to, where he goes to, like, New York, or he... But oftentimes, he'll be in, like, um... Brazil, or he'll be in, like, London, um, there is an ep. I think the very first episode, uh, takes place in, somewhere in Italy, and I think it's Sanrio, no, um, he, he goes to Sanrio, Brazil, um, there's a kind of... I think of it as an infamous episode where he is in the place in I think it's in South America with the giant Jesus statue. I forget the name of the place. Oh my god. Um but I forget the name of the city. But he like the basically the way it goes is he's always trying to steal something. And th- in some way, this com- the following combination of characters works into that. There's Lupin, the main character. Um, there's Jigen, who is kind of the sup- main supporting character. Um, he is basically this American gunman who is, like, a crack shot and can hit anything from any distance with, like, his trusty handgun um and his deal is he wears a suit and like a low cap and you almost never see his eyes um and he smokes a lot and he's got a like beard that curves up so he's got like a moon face with a hat on it um and then there's Goemon and Goemon is just this samurai who's usually his job is to show up tell Lupin that he's an idiot and then cut something that's like impossible to cut just clean in half and when I say impossible to cut I mean there's a scene where he stands on the top of a plane and cuts another plane clean in half there's a scene where he cuts a bridge in half as they drive across it so that they can get away there's all kinds of like sings and he goes and at the end I think this is what he says he always goes this was not worthy of my sword and click and then the thing falls apart um and then there's Fujiko Mine the as I described sex wielding cat burglar, extraordinaire and she the interesting thing about she is one of the more interesting things about Lupin the Third because in many, 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 many anime shows, this is kind of kind of like a general fan service perversion to any any female character is game. Like do you have ovaries? We will ogle you, is basically how they like anime functions. And sometimes, not even that. It's a whole trap situation and boy and male fan service and all that stuff. And Lupin the Third, instead of dealing, making that a factor in every single female character, it makes it a factor. The only character it treats that way is Fujiko. And Fujiko isn't Defenseless. She is not. She is not. It is never a circumstance that you are that Fujiko is having a completely normal conversation and you are staring straight up her crotch. The way is true of many an anime, um, and. The reason why they make Fujiko this kind of sex pot is because she is this super super materialistic thief who just wants these beautiful things, and they they explain they go into that, and I don't want to really explain what the deal is with that. In um, a woman called Fujiko Mine, which I believe, came out in two thousand fourteen, um. But, f- she basically uses, like, her feminine wilds to get her way. And it's funny, because um, Monkey Punch describes the relationship, for lack of a better term, between Lupin and Fujiko to be very similar to his to his relationship with his wife. Which... Um, for those of you who don't know... Fujiko... Basically leads Lupin on constantly. I, 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 It's never said they're not in a relationship. But it's never said that, like... But it's also never proven that... That relationship... In anything but one-sided feelings and one-sided takings, if that makes any sense. So, basically, Fujiko uses the fact that, like, Lupin is hopelessly in love with her to just basically take advantage of him at every single point. It is not... It is a not uncommon storyline in... uh, Lupin the Third... Lupin to go out of his way to steal something and Fujiko having been in the having never been in the episode in some cases just shows up and takes it from him, and takes whatever it is from him um but the last character the last most like super important character of who's in all of the series. There are some characters who are different depending on what series they're in. But the last kind of, like, universal, constant character is Inspector Zenigata. And he is this... Otherwise, from what people say, super capable, super well-respected... Interpol, I, Interpol agent, who, for whatever reason, has made it his life work to apprehend Lupin, and I think Lupin refers to him as Pops, and and that has led lots of people to believe that he's trying to like write the path of his own son, but as like that. Once again, that doesn't really go anywhere. They never explain that. They never, like, act on that concept. But basically, the idea is that if Lupin is somewhere, eventually Zenigata will show up somewhere. And will show up at at that place and be like, where's Lupin? And um, usually they'll have a Interaction where he screams Lupin's name at the top of his lungs, and/or and, and or he will attempt to arrest Lupin by handcuffing him with like handcuffs, but instead of ch- a chain, it's literally a long rope so he can just like swing it like a lasso and try and catch Lupin. But basically, Zenigata is just this dude who can't catch a break. On this one guy who he doesn't even really need to be pursuing. He's just become obsessed with catching this guy. Like, there there are several points at which he, like, gets let go of. He he gets, like, shit-canned by Interpol. And Interpol rehires him later because they're like, oh, wait, Lupon is actually stealing super valuable stuff. And the only person who knows, who even knows close to how to, like, find him and track him down is Denigata. So maybe he will, like, succeed. Or at the very least, maybe he will, like, stop this thing from being stolen. Which does happen occasionally. Uh, sometimes because... Then he gotta shows up. The actual heist does not take place. Um. But the other thing about Lupin is, often, often, oftentimes, Lupin does not succeed. I, I he succeeds every once in a while, but usually something goes wrong and something goes bad. And he does and it doesn't happen like he doesn't he doesn't like get the diamond necklace or he doesn't get like the gold out of whatever. He just like it just things go bad on him in a super unique way <laughs> um be, either either because of Fujiko or thengato or sometimes just like. It goes bad. Like, there's the um, I think they do this in multiple different ways. There's a episode, I think it's in part three, where he goes and he, ste- well, they go and they steal this wine that's supposed to be this, like, aphrodisiac wine. And they finally get it. They finally get, like, the keg of it. The only known keg of it in the world. And they go to drink it to try it and it's all turned into vinegar <laughs> and it turns out that the guy who was like putting on tastings of this wine was just straight up lying <laughs> the entire time <laughs> and the wine had long since soured um but that's uh, an example of kind of like a plot of an episode Um, now, part four is probably the best version of Lupin there is. So if you're you're interested in watching any Lupin, um, the three things I would watch, actually, let's call it the four things I would watch, are the Castle of Cagliostro, because the Castle of Cagliostro, it actually... Hayao Miyazaki's first feature-length film, um, so that, uh, and that, and that in that film, Lupin doesn't act completely different, but he acts much, much different, much more different than he does in kind of any TV, any version of the show before or since. Um, I would watch the Mystery of Mamo because it, that is this like infamous freaking thing um and then I would watch I would watch I would watch Fujiko Mind because Fujiko Mind is kind of incredible just as a thing that it exists and it got made and super weird and super arty and like just like awesome um but that's not for everybody, so if you watch for episode and you're like, this is, there's a lot of naked women shooting people. I don't know that I like this. Um, then I would watch part four, because part four is kind of the, inc- it's the last, it's the last of the four things I would watch. Is the kind of perfect encapsulated version of Lupin, it has, it has all the gags, all the, like, classicness of Lupin, but everything's just refined, and it's, and everything's at the level it needs to be constantly, um, the other thing about this is it does away with the kind of globetrotting of it, and the reason why I wanted to talk about Lupin, about this particular part on this ep, about part four on this episode is it takes place in San Marco in Italy and it opens up with kind of a bang of an episode. Lupin's getting married and like it, he's not getting married to Fujiko, I forget her name, but he's getting married to this like billionaire, princess, entrepreneur, filmmaker, actress woman who is basically this rich girl who just wants as much out of life as she can get um if you've ever seen if you've ever seen Wolf of Wall Street imagine Leonardo DiCaprio's wife but not as but she accomplishes what she sets out to do. She doesn't just dabble in things. She actually does them. Um, so he's getting married to this woman. And basically this is this plot to be able to steal this the like crown jewels of this royal family. Blah, 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 blah. Only it turns out this girl was marrying him because she wanted to be like a globetrotting awesome thief too. And she ends up stealing what they were going to give her anyway for herself just to like prove she can do it. And also she wants to be known as like Miss Lupin the Third. Um but she but it also she also works into like a later plot, probably the weaker part of the of this of the fourth part of Lupin. It's I mean this this is a really really great fun kind of romp in the Lupin universe. It it's like the colors are super clean and crisp. The the character designs have kind of never looked better. Um the op- the opening is this like homage to the original opening of Lupin. It is absolutely fantastic. It like from from coloring to like sound design to music, uh, part four is really is really, really, really phenomenal. And the end of part four, hilariously, like teases the concept of maybe they were going to make a mystery of Mamo movie in that style, like they're going to remake the movie, that movie in that style, because um, the mystery of Mamo, like I said, is this like weird, infamous movie, L- Lupon movie. It is almost more famous than The Castle of Cagliostro just because of how freaking weird it is. It is like, it is like they took a B-plot from a bad mystery science, like, late 60s mystery science theater sci-fi movie. It is bizarre. Um, and it's it's totally worth it's totally worth seeing you can you can go find it on Hulu I'm pretty sure still in English or Japanese um but they hinted at that and, and everybody including me was like, oh my god they're making that weird thing again let's go but um so it, it's it's a really It's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal show that is about bad guys who do, like, bad things that don't really have consequence on the world that don't really completely have a consequence on the world. It It's almost ne- it's never the case that Lupin is, like, stealing the pension money from a bunch of, like, elderly retired people. It is always the case that he, like, is gunning for the Mona Lisa. <laughs> or he's, like, trying to get, like, Cleop- I think there's an episode in... There is an episode in, um uh, part four, where he tries to get this massive diamond called Cleopatra, called Cleopatra's engagement ring, or whatever, engagement stone, I think it's called, um, but, so, like, he, it, it's not about him, it, it's not like, it's not even like he's going to, like, Ocean's Eleven, an entire casino, for an entire three casinos worth of money. It's like he's going to go steal. Like a museum piece. And then sell it. it, it, it it's, it's not. It's not. There's no. There's no malicious act. To- directly towards another human being. When he's stealing something. There's only the act of... This is what he does. This is what he does for a living. Um, or... He does... There's an episode in part four where a soccer... Where a soccer star asks him to... Steal... I forget what he asks him to... He, oh, he asks him to steal... um. To steal an altar... Um... His, the soccer star's medical records because the soccer star is slowly going blind in a way that would disqualify him from his his like last game of his career, and he doesn't want to let down his teammates, so he hires Lupin, and it's like Lu- Lupin does that, and then the soccer star retires, get to play his team wins and retires and like all's well that ends well but like a crime still took place. <laughs> um but it's it's a it's a really pretty good it's a pretty it's a pretty fun ride, it's a pretty good show. Um I would always recommend watching it in actually for part 4 specifically i would say you can go find it on crunchyroll go watch it on crunchyroll you'll be able to watch it dubbed on funimation i was doing that earlier today just to like catch up with kind of like the gist of part 4 but i would not watch it dubbed because i don't know what i don't know what the universe thinks is going to happen but they didn't get the music rights for whatever dumb reason for the opening to part four. So they've changed the opening entirely, and that just, it just really takes away from it, because um the best way I can describe the opening, the best way I can describe the opening to Lupin the Third part four is it's got this, like, Michiko Tohachin vibe of like, like really smooth wipes to like other titles and like, like great character cards and like great ins and outs of shots. It's just, it, it is. When I went to watch the dub, I was very happy to watch it in English. They have, if you've ever seen Lupin. There's a certain cast to that, and they have managed to always keep the right cast members. And like Lupon sounds a certain way every time, Vegan sounds a certain way every time, Goimon on down the line. Um, but <laughs> because they don't get the music rights to the opening song. It's just it's like they they came up with this weird instrumental thing. which just like, even if I didn't know what was supposed to be here, this doesn't fit with the show that you eventually watch. It just it seems like a different thing, which is really unfortunate. So, if you want to watch Lupin the Third, go check it out on Crunchyroll. If you don't mind missing a really just phenomenal opening, go watch it. You can go watch it on Funimation, dubbed in its entirety. Um, Which, I don't know why they didn't get the right, they didn't push for the rights to the opening. Because they got the rights to the Fujiko Mine, the woman called Fujiko Mine opening... And that thing is batshit insane. So, I don't know what they're doing. But they did the same thing for Eden of the East. And Incubus' opening for Eden of the East is a goddamn masterpiece. And they should be ashamed of themselves. The speedgrapher thing is just the speedgrapher thing. I forget. I think it was David... It was... Oh, Speedgrapher! In case you guys didn't know, is a weirdo like uh, erotic horror action thriller thing anime from like the early the early aughts, and its opening was girls on film, but they couldn't get the they couldn't get the rights for the American version of that, so they replaced it with like Weird Techno, which I didn't see the girls on film thing until I wanna say two thousand ten or maybe a little later, maybe two thousand maybe two thousand fourteen was the first time I saw it. And once if you if you see that opening you can never go back and unsee it because it just it' perfectly fits into what that show is. But um, on that note, I think that's where I'm going to leave it with you guys this week. If you like the show and if you've liked the last couple of shows, um, go ahead and subscribe to me on iTunes or your podcast feed thing of choice, I'm also on Stitcher and Google Play um, I'm not on Spotify, but um, you can find me on the networks I just mentioned um, also on any just general poll podcast feed app, you can definitely subscribe to me um, if you really like the show feel free to go leave me a five-star review on iTunes. It's gotten a lot easier. You don't even need to actually open iTunes anymore to do that, so that's great. Um, now, the last thing I want to tell you guys is I am going to see, in a couple hours, actually, I'm going to go see uh, the new Studio Ghibli movie, um, Mary and the Witch's Flower. So I will probably do, I might do a special, special podcast about that if i don't do a special podcast about that i'll almost definitely talk about it as like the next thing that just came out and Fathom events is weird and feels like they can only make money off of a studio ghibli movie if they only show it for like a day maybe two so, as, basically, as soon as I got home from my trip overseas, I, like, got online and raced to figure out, like, how do I buy tickets to this damn thing? And I got them for 7 at night, if you listen to this any other day, but today, on Thursday the 18th, in New York City. I'm going to go see that movie. I'll probably talk to you guys about it. Um, but until then, this is this has been Lunchbox Radio. I have been Alex, and I will talk at you guys next time.